greatest symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production.
and welcome to another edition of the Hogan Era Podcast. I'm your host, JP John Paz. And of course, we are on the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcasting feed, a part of the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcasting empire. We are talking all things Hulk Hogan and the Hulk Hogan Era here on this show. With this show, of course, we're focusing in on 1984 to 1993. The prime years of the WWF. A lot of people call it the golden era of the WWF, but also the golden era of wrestling. I, of course, just refer to it as the Hogan era because without Hulk, without Hulk Hogan, there is no golden era and there is no Vince McMahon becoming a billionaire. So just keep that in mind. And, and when you always think about where wrestling is or how popular it once was or, or how much money the guys are making today, can pretty much all thank that to one man in particular, and that is the immortal Hulk Hogan. Each and every week on this show, we're talking about many of the different feuds and matches that he took part of all throughout those great 10 glorious years in the WWF. This week, we're focusing in on the Canadian strongman himself, Dino Bravo. For this feud, it's not really the main feud, but there is some... Very cool tidbits in there. And it was really a part of a bigger feud with Earthquake. But Bravo was there having a lot of matches, whether it was tag matches or even some one-on-one -on -one matches with Hogan. And there's some really cool little different elements to this feud that maybe people didn't realize or maybe people were kind of underestimating. But it's one of those key cogs in the wheel. One of the feuds that I like to call like a bridge feud. You're bridging one feud to another, or you're like kind of like the glue guy. You're holding the Earthquake feud together, but you don't necessarily want Hulk beating Earthquake on the house shows, leading into a big Hogan-Earthquake match. Or even if you want to keep Earthquake strong after SummerSlam and you want to keep the feud going, SummerSlam 90, of course, then you got to, you know, what can you do? Who can Hogan beat, but also keep his strength, but also, you know, make Earthquake keep his his level of dominance you know what i mean you got to keep hulk strong but you want to keep earthquake strong too because he's a strong character he's a young guy and he's a guy you have big plans for maybe or you want to just keep him strong for hogan to eventually really slay that dragon and defeat him you don't want to just kill him off bing bang boom that's it and beat him on all the house shows that's why dino bravo is important because he is over with the crowd as much as you know i'll be honest as much as i didn't like him and maybe i should have because he was a heel but not a big Dino Bravo fan at all. Never really was. I never really got into him. But he was over with the crowd as far as being a heel. Just absolutely hated. You throw Frenchie Martin into the into the group there, and, and you know they're super hated, and they're really just not liked at, at all. And, and even you want to throw Jimmy Hart in the mix too. I mean, another great heel, but just throwing out there, they were absolutely hated. Dino Bravo was super over as a heel. He looked like a million bucks. Obviously, like I said, Canadian strongman, the guy could legitimately bench press 600 pounds. Of course, we'll talk about it, I guess, if you saw Dark Side of the Ring or if you knew about his history. He's also mixed in with the mob a bit, and when he kind of got out of WBF and got out of wrestling, or really maybe hopped back into it. I don't know if he really got out of it and into it. Maybe he just hopped back in he uh, led a life of crime, and he was doing a lot of illegal things up in Canada and was connected to the mob and obviously got killed for it. And I think if you've seen that documentary, if you read it, anything about Dino Bravo, you probably knew that story already, and you probably know the history of the Canadian strongman and just kind of his uh, shady history, I guess you could say, behind the scenes and you know what he was up to as far as leading a life of crime. But really, when you talk about Dino Bravo and you talk about this feud, 
with the Hulkster. It's one of those things where you need top credible heels against Hogan on these house shows to make money, to draw money, to have, you know, the level of importance of the shows, because that was like, I always talk about on the show. That was the big thing was the house shows was making money, was being able to be the money generator for them that, you know, now you're seeing the TV rights deals and the deal with Saudi Arabia and stuff like that. I mean, that's like the money deals But here. It's how much money you can make on the house shows and how well you can draw the houses and how much you can sell on the merch at the live show. I mean, that live gate was huge to them and those house shows were huge to them at this point. Nowadays, it's almost like a fossil and it's not as important or, or as significant. And you saw so many people got laid off and you saw, you know, the producers and all these wrestlers. Live events really weren't that important. It was more of a TV game now. Back then, it was the opposite. It was you use your TV to set up people wanting to go to the live shows and using your TV to get people out of their chairs, out of their off their asses, and into that arena and buying tickets and buying merch and really, really becoming the indoor fan, if you will, rather than the outdoor. I mean, much more of the let's get them in the doors, let's sell them the merch, sell these tickets, rather than now. It's almost like they really want you to get those ratings up they really really are focusing in on the tv rights deals and the peacock deal and the saudi arabia stuff so it's not as important and like we've seen that the decline in house shows and it's funny because if you just look at aew they actually in a lot of markets and a lot of big markets too they sell more tickets than wbf wbf would like to sell more tickets sure and they would like to be this you know big live event giant that they used to be and even msg when they were there didn't sell well at all until they announced Reigns, Lesnar, and Rouse, you're all going to be on the show. Then it, I think it got a little bit less than 10,000. Still, for MSG, you want way more than that. You know what I mean? It's just it's, live events is just not their thing anymore. And like I mentioned, AEW is out selling them in a lot of the big key markets. So during the Hogan era, when you needed a guy that could draw and you needed him to draw well, you got Hulkster, you got Hulkamania, you had that force and that power. And that's why you needed credible heels and heels over over to sell out these shows when you really need to be making money on these shows. So it's like, okay, what can we do that's a slam dunk? What we that we can do that's a home run? That's why sometimes you'll see Hogan help you with a guy a little bit, and maybe the returns weren't great, or maybe they're not feeling it as much, or not making as much money. Boom, let's move on to the next guy. Maybe we won't feud with this guy for that long a period of time. We'll, we'll, kind of, we'll kind of move on from him. That's why you constantly saw Big John Studd feuding with Hogan, because it drew. Jake the Snake Roberts, I know he said, you know, they were turning him heel and they didn't want him to feud, but if you look at the returns, I don't think it did in those three house shows. I don't think it did the returns that they were looking for or they thought or they wanted, so they kind of went in a different direction. You can kind of tell, and you really look at Hogan's history of matches, like who, who did he work with a lot? Okay, hmm, why did he work with that guy a lot? Obviously, I mean, you were saying the obvious here, but some people don't realize it. That means he was drawing a lot of money with that guy. I mean, that means that that guy was somebody Hogan liked working with, safe, you know, wasn't going to hurt him. And the key and the end all be all was he made money with that guy. So let's go to some of the matches. The first match where Hogan and Dino Bravo were together. This is not Hogan era. We're going pre-Hogan era here. It was New Japan Pro Wrestling. 1981, Hulk Hogan and Stan Hansen defeated Dino Bravo and Ricky Choshu on New Japan TV in Tokyo, Japan. Wow, think about that. Ricky Choshu, absolute legend. Team of Bravo against two of the best. Hansen and the Hulks are pretty awesome there. They've had some best two or three fall tag matches, a bunch of tag matches. 
even with Hogan teaming up with Antonio Noki against Adrian Adonis and Dino Bravo. And then here's a big, big-time match here. Adrian Adonis, Andre the Giant, and Dino Bravo versus Antonio Inoki, Killer Khan, and Hulk Hogan. Goes to a double countout. And again, that's in Amori, Japan. But that's all in New Japan for Wrestling, and that is actually in 1982. They do have some match matches in Quebec for the IW Wrestling, International Wrestling, if you will, where Dino Bravo was a, a huge, huge star in Quebec. I mean, just absolutely enormous level of stardom he had there so they had two matches in 1983 is andre the giant tino and hulk teaming defeat blackjack mulligan ken patera and the mag superstar and then finally in a tag match bravo and hogan defeat mulligan and the mag superstar and that is in 1983 so they don't cross pass again to the wf when dino bravo gets back there and just kind of before i get to when he gets back there his real WWF debut was in 1978. It was WWF, and it was All-Star Wrestling. It was a taping in Hamburg, PA. He defeated, he, oh, easy for me to say, excuse me. He defeated Silvano Sousa in his first match. And then, obviously, eventually he would go on and he would team with the legendary Dominic Danucci, and they would win the tag title. So Dominic Danucci and Dino Bravo, pretty damn legendary tag team in the WWF, winning the tag titles. And, you know, he kind of really made his name for himself then and there. But he went back to Quebec, and he just was super duper over. It was one of those things where, you know, maybe he, you know, um, did the right thing and not really going to WWF right away. Because, yes, he was a tag team champion, but he leaves in 78, makes a big name for himself elsewhere and, and in Quebec and in Canada and just becomes an absolute giant mountain of a star there. And then he ends up coming back to the WBF. WBF ends up uh, basically buying out that territory, and you'll get some interpromotional, quote unquote, interpromotional matches. But you know, you'll have a lot of talent working there and being a part of those shows. But really, WBF ends up taking over that territory, and they basically get Dino Bravo along with it. So Dino Bravo makes his re-debut in WBF in 1985, defeating Mister X of all people, who, of course, everybody should know, was Danny Davis. And this was on Prime Time Wrestling. So as we go along in his run, he's going to be pretty dominant. And I wouldn't say undefeated streak, but it's basically going through a semi-undefeated streak. In 87, he has a bit of a feud and a pretty good one with Pedro Morales. As everyone knows, I love Pedro Morales and have a have a deep history with him. But as far as, as that, it's like, okay, he's doing very well. He's... Not undefeated, like I said, he's having a few losses, but he's basically having a dominant run in the WWF. And really, you know, he has some losses to Pedro Morales and Billy Jack Haynes, but nothing too bad and nothing that really kills him or anything. I mean, he ends up losing to the Rougeau brothers, but he was teaming with Johnny V, and Johnny V took the pin on the house show in Pittsburgh, PA. And as he rolls along, he really is starting to you know, move up the card little by little. He becomes a part of the new dream team with Greg the Hammer Valentine. This is, of course, when Bruce Beefcake turns babyface. Before that, Dino Bravo was obviously with Johnny V. So Johnny V was the manager of the dream team of Beefcake and Valentine. Then you put them together as a threesome. And then Beefcake leaves, turns babyface, and you get the new dream team of Bravo and Valentine. To me, the... I'm a bigger fan of, of the old school dream team 
of Valentine and Beefcake. But, you know, this was moderately successful, not nearly as successful as the first Dream Team, who were the former WWF Tag Team champions. It's just interesting to note there's a bunch of six-mans that happened on house shows in 87. Bruce Beefcake and the Rougeau brothers defeat Johnny V and the Dream Team, of course, Dino and Valentine. So Beefcake does feud with them a little bit here on his baby face turn with Dino Bravo as he's going along in, in his run here. They're going to have a lot of tag matches. Obviously they're going to get some tag title shots, but they're never obviously going to win the tag titles. but they do get a couple big wins over the Hart foundation who were the tag team champs at the time in 87 via DQ. When you look at when they're actually going to, start feuding with the Rougeau brothers. They get a bunch of wins in a row, of course, all on house shows. Um, they're going to be losing to the Killer Bees on some house shows. They're going to be feuding with a lot of different guys like the Young Stallions and exchanging wins back and forth. So it's it's an interesting run for them, and they're going to have some good matches, especially with the British Bulldogs. But I think really with him and what they saw from him, I think they thought he was more destined to be a single star. Yes, him and Valentine were an okay team. Maybe not as good as Valentine and Beefcake as the dream team, but I think they saw single stardom for Dino Bravo. That's just was was my take on it because they started putting him by himself. He started racking up wins. You know, he was a part of uh, Survivor Series matches. He's a part of all different things. I mean, the Royal Rumble 1988, which of course won by Jim Duggan, but you just got the feeling on, on um, superstars and, and the different shows, he's getting singles wins and squash matches and just really pumping him up and just showing how strong he is and really putting him over like crazy. Cause even when he goes to WrestleMania four and, and he's in the tournament and he's in the first round, he loses to Don Morocco by DQ, about a five minute match over there at the Trump Plaza in Atlantic city. He still didn't lose by pinfall. I mean, he still, yes, he lost, but he's still kind of keeping him strong. So to me, they definitely, definitely liked him. Of course, everybody knows Vince McMahon is a body guy, and he loves guys with big bodies. So I think that's the perfect guy for him, like jacked-up guy. He can kind of play to the Canadian market, of course, when they love that market and play with Dino Bravo as one of their main stars there. But also, it's like, man, he looks like a million bucks. You know, Vince loves those body guys. Just interesting to note in... 88 ultimate warrior and Dino Bravo had some matches back and forth. And when they're in New York, ultimate warrior gets to win. Even Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada warrior gets to win by DQ. But when they go to Montreal, Quebec, Canada on six twenty nine eighty eight, 88, Dino Bravo gets a big win over ultimate warrior in eight minutes. So, I mean, they're really, really playing to the home crowd there. I know they really do the opposite nowadays, which is kind of sad in a way when they always have the hometown person get beat up or lose. Back then, it was very strong to keep that hometown strong, and that's what they did with Dino Bravo. Also, big, big match for Dino Bravo in 1988, 828, 1988 to be exactly, excuse me, to be exact, Dino Bravo defeats Randy Savage, who was the WWF World Heavyweight Champion at the time in the Montreal Forum. He wins by Canada. So, look, they're really, really keeping him strong in Montreal, which is smart. The hotbed there, Montreal, is, is a Bravo town, Bravo market. The guy, you know, it's his hometown. Let's give the hometown boy a bunch of wins. I think it's pretty damn smart. I think it's pretty damn ingenious. Even when they go back there in October, back to Montreal, Quebec, Macho Man and Dino Bravo have a double DQ. So, 
they are keeping him strong in his hometown. They obviously like him. But when they go to Portland, Maine, and when they go to Toronto, Ontario, Canada, both WWF title matches, Randy Savage is defeating Dino Bravo at both. So they're keeping him strong in his hometown, Montreal, not so much everywhere else. Then they'll have a return match in November again to Montreal because almost a monthly stop here to Montreal. The Lumberjack match for the WWF world title. Randy Savage defeats Dino Bravo, but by DQ. So they're little by little building it up here with him, but nothing too major of a loss. DQ not going to hurt him at all. He then enters in a bit of a feud with Hacksaw Jim Duggan, and they have flag matches all over the place with Jim Duggan getting the win in Hershey, PA, Hartford, Connecticut, and Madison Square Garden, New York City, as well as Oklahoma City, Boston, Onesson, and then, of course, in the Philly Spectrum as well. So it's pretty much the same match to have all over the place, but he's getting a lot of wins, and he's defending the country of the great old U.S. of A. over Dino Bravo and Canada. So let's head to the Hogan matches versus Dino Bravo. Let's first talk about the first match. 1-6-1989, the first time that they're touching in WWF, was a six-man tag at a house show at the Montreal Forum in Montreal, Quebec, Canada, Dino Bravo's hometown. Hulk Hogan, Jim Duggan, and Ronnie Garvin defeat Dino Bravo and the fabulous Rougeau brothers, Jacques and Raymond, by DQ. So all those French-Canadian boys, the Rougeaus and Bravo, they're going to lose, but they're only going to lose by DQ, and they're going to keep them pretty strong. If you think about the next time they face off, it's going to be when Bravo and Hogan are both in the same match for the Royal Rumble. Royal Rumble 1990, Orlando Arena in Orlando, Florida. Hulk Hogan gets the big win, of course, in a great match. But here is one of the, the tidbits that I was kind of alluding to before and I was mentioning before and I was talking about before. Hulk Hogan defeats Dino Bravo, WF Superstars taping at number 180, the Veterans Memorial Coliseum in Phoenix, Arizona, 2-13-1990s, actually when it was taped. Interesting thing to note here. Taped then, but the broadcast date was not until 3-10-1990, so basically a month later is when they actually air it. But here is the really kind of important thing here. Yes, Earthquake is there with him. Yes, Jimmy Hart's there with him. It's, it's, it's a big match. Hogan is the world champion at this point, but they make a note of it, and they say this is a non-title match. So it's a non-title match. Hogan comes out with the belt. There's a huge pop. It's a great match. It's pretty short, but it's a, I love it just because it's Hogan, and it's the different opponent here in Dino Bravo. But here's the kicker. It's on Superstars. Hulk Hogan is a part of a Superstars taping. You're thinking, oh, yeah, sometimes he would. He hardly ever wrestled on a Superstars taping. The only other Superstars taping that I could find that he – wrestled in was in 85 and that was against cowboy bob orton of course he got the win then too in about 10 minutes but man it's funny like when you like think like hey uh trivia question you know who are the two guys hogan faced on wbf superstars because as far as i could find he has no real other one-on-one matches on superstars that i could i could see he hardly has any matches on superstars as, as it is so just really i don't know that just fascinated me it's like wow the one, and he's champion at the time, and it's non-title, but he does come out with the belt. So just really interesting to think, like, wow, Bravo. Dino Bravo gets one of his only, you know, singles matches on Superstars. Really one of his only matches ever on Superstars. Pretty pretty damn remarkable. The next time they wrestle, of course, Hogan is not champion. He lost to Ultimate Warrior WrestleMania eight. So we're going to the summer of, 19, excuse me, um, WrestleMania six, And 
as we move forward, Hogan is not the champion, but he's still the major draw to me of the company. Yes, Warriors champion, but I don't think he's quite at the Hogan level. It's an impossible level to get to. Dare I say, Steve Austin and The Rock never quite got to that level either. Close, but didn't quite get there. So big, big time shoes to fill for the Ultimate Warrior. Hard to do. 8 16 Hulk Hogan defeats Dino Bravo in Spokane, Washington at a house show. Then we go to Tacoma, Washington. Hogan wins again on the next day on the 17th and the 18th and then the 19th and then the 20th. Basically, five days in a row here. We go from the Cow Palace to Long Beach back to the Veterans Memorial Coliseum in Arizona. And Hogan is defeating Dino Bravo via pinfall on all of these house shows. Hogan also defeats Dino Bravo in Niagara Falls in New York, 8-26-1990, then 10-13-1990. Hogan and his new buddy, the Tugboat, defeat Dino Bravo in Earthquake at the Cow Palace. And, of course, then the Survivor Series, the elimination match. The Hulkamaniacs, Hulk Hogan, Jim Duggan, Big Boss Man, and Tugboat defeat the natural disasters of Earthquake, Dino Bravo, Haku, and the Barbarian. The match goes about 15 minutes. Of course, this was in Hartford, Connecticut, the Hartford Civic Center. Survivor Series 1990 was quite a good one. If you remember, Hulk Hogan, of course, wins this one. And then he goes on to the ultimate match of elimination at the end. And him and Warrior end up winning that match as well. Hulk Hogan and Tugboat then on 11-30-1990 defeat Dino Bravo and Earthquake again. They do the same thing, and that was in Portland, Oregon. They do the same thing in Denver. They go back to Toronto. They do that again. There's a tag match on 12-28-1990. Hogan and Tugboat defeat Dino Bravo and the Earthquake in about nine minutes. At MSG, on the MSG Network in New York City, New York, they have another match on 1-5-91 and 1-12-91. Hogan and Tugboat again defeating Dino Bravo and Earthquake, one in Landover, Maryland, and one in Boston. So they are both, of course, part of World Rumble 1991, which was on 1-19-91 in Miami, Florida, at the Miami Arena. Hulk Hogan then gets the victory. Of course, this is kind of like the end of the feud, really, in a sense, with Earthquake, because he eliminates him last and throws him out of the Royal Rumble to claim victory. Of course, as you know, and I probably should mention this before, but Earthquake debuted as the Canadian Earthquake, and Dino Bravo's showing how strong he was. He picked a guy out from the crowd. He's doing some sit-ups, and that's basically how they introduced Earthquake, but he was the tag partner of Dino Bravo. At first, it was almost like it was like his, his sidekick, or he was the guy with Dino Bravo, but of course, Bravo is the monster that Hogan had. It isn't the monster that Hogan had a slay. Really, the monster he had a slay was going to be the Earthquake. And Earthquake obviously jumps Dino Bravo on the uh, the level of importance card and becomes a main eventer, bar none. Bravo, you know, obviously, like we mentioned, he had some main events. He has one of Hogan's very few superstars main events and few, few uh, excuse me, superstars matches. So, I mean, his level of importance, yes, but I would call him more mid-carder or upper mid-carder. Earthquake, for a time being, was a main eventer and was feuding with Hogan on pay-per-views. Like I mentioned, he's the captain of the Survivor Series team, and he's fighting him at SummerSlam 90. So definitely, definitely a level of importance for Earthquake was a lot higher than Bravo. And he's the final guy in the 1991 Royal Rumble, like I just mentioned, and Hogan eliminates him last. So the last two matches that they wrestled together, 126, 1991, and 128, 1991. The first one is from the Palace of Auburn Hills in Auburn's Michigan. Hogan and Tugboat defeat Earthquake and Nita Bravo there. Then the 128-91 show is the main event, number five, Macon Coliseum in Macon, Georgia. Hulk Hogan and Tugboat defeat Bravo and Earthquake 
in about nine minutes. Good stuff there. If you got to check out the uh, the main event, I highly recommend it. Love all those shows. I mean, uh, great, great stuff. It ended up airing on February 1st, 1991. Did a 6.7 TV rating. The other matches on the show were a WBF World Title match featuring Jim Duggan defeating Slaughter via DQ and the tag match of the Legion of Doom defeating Kato and Tanaka of the Orient Express in about five minutes. So that's some good stuff there. And of course, Dino Bravo, like I mentioned before, would have a, a very sad ending to his life. But as far as his ending in the WWF, his last match ever was in 1992. A lot of people were shocked. They thought he was kind of gone in 91 and just, you know, not really there anymore. But if you remember, it's a part of the European Rampage Tour on 414. 1992, uh, excuse me, Bret Hart defeats Bravo in about 14 minutes in Germany, a part of the big European rampage that was going on there. So, I mean, that was kind of a pretty good level of match. But I think people almost forgot. They thought he was gone in 91 and just, just you know, left the company. But he was still there in 92. And his exit was on 4-19-1992, a part, again, of the european rampage tour this time in yorkshire england the legion of doom hawk and animal defeat dino bravo and colonel mustafa aka the iron cheek in about four minutes and 30 seconds so that's the run there for dino bravo and the great kind of uh, under the radar feud that was against the hulkster he was really kind of the back layering if you will the bridge or the glue guy to keep the feud going with the almighty earthquake so before we let you go, let's hit you with some plugs. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Two Man Power Trip. Check out the website tmptempire.com and Patreon, patreon.com slash tmptempire. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. We'll see you right back here next week for the Hogan Era Podcast. We'll see you next week, folks. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the two-man power trip of wrestling. You could follow us on Instagram and Twitter at two-man power trip. You could check us out on Facebook. You could subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash tmptempire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two-man power trip where the power lies brother.
doesn't he? I didn't say anything about ego. You Hulk did. Hogan. Now ready to lock up with Dino well, Bravo. What does it do to his heart then? It makes it swell. It makes the man turn into a lion. That's what I said. His ego. Dino Bravo. Locking right up now. And attempts to straight up up And look at the strength of Bravo. Firing the champion back in the corner. The person. Bravo. One of the stronger athletes. Well, that's called getting some respect, McMahon. You got to establish some respect out there. You can bet the ultimate warrior is watching this. And again, they lock back up. This time, the holster. Exert, yeah, take a look at that. A charge in a backdrop. There's the gun. And Hogan got Bravo to fall for him. He taunted Bravo, got him to charge, make a mistake, and Hogan's taken full advantage of it. Yes, indeed. Holster all over Dino Bravo. Snatches him out. Whips him to the far side. Follows through with an elbow. Bravo down to the canvas. And Hulk Hogan. Ooh, wow. Now, what's the purpose of this? A flagrant close fist to the head when the guy's laying flat on his back. Oh, a keen eye on the holster from the earthquake a moment ago. Bravo's up, maybe not for long. Off the roll, two, five, he's down again. What I don't understand is why isn't the referee admonishing Hogan? Those are flagrant fists. Oh, look at that. Why is he admonishing Jimmy Hart? And then from behind, Bravo attacking. The referee allowing a lot of bending of the rules here, so to speak. Well, that could be a, the lineup for WrestleMania if you get that type of officiating. Wow, if that's the case, it's going to be a brawl like never before. Oh, no. From behind, the earthquake on the monster. And Hogan's caught in the wrong corner. What a setback this will be if Hogan goes down here. What a chop. Hawkster ripped to the buckle. Bravo now. Kick to the midsection. Uh-oh. Trouble for Hogan. Yes. We have the count. And almost a count of three, Jesse. Bravo got close, but a big kick out. Bravo did make a mistake, though. He should have hooked that leg. Bravo hammering away on the Hawkster. And it's not working. No, indeed, it's not working at all. Look 
speaking on this. Why should he run to the ring and save Hogan? The ultimate warrior in there with Hulk Hogan. What's going on? The Hulkster wanting no part of the warrior. Warrior crisscrossing the ring. What's he going to do? This man is... Wait a minute. Close line here. Can't go from behind. He stopped. Wait. What's going on? We may get WrestleMania before WrestleMania. No, the warrior's gone. Just like that, he came down and helped the Hulkster. And now he's gone in a flash. But you get back. Nobody else, nobody nothing before WrestleMania. Yeah, just about the 